Welcome to the Becoming Iconic Podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I am a life, business, and brand stylist. And after years of helping thousands of female entrepreneurs grow successful businesses and lives, I was called to bring these delicious conversations forward for those of you who are ready to build, expand, and actually enjoy all the desires of your heart. I'm so confident that this podcast will support you as you start to elevate and pursue the highest version of yourself. Thank you for being here. Sink in and enjoy. Hey icons, welcome to another amazing episode. I am here with a fast friend, Amy Van Slambrook, who is a psychotherapist and really is diving into trauma and helping people work through traumatic experiences in their lives. And the reason I am elated about this conversation for those of you listening in is because I think I've recognized and we have seen even through this podcast that most of us have some sort of trauma. And I know that the journey to work through that has been a journey in itself. And maybe today, Amy, I'm so hopeful that this could spark the start of somebody else's journey and that they face these things. And I know they're in very good hands when it comes to you. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Jen. It is just such a privilege. You are definitely a kindred spirit. And so I'm really, really excited to serve your audience. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just want to just dive right in if you don't mind, because I know there's a lot to cover. And I think it's always just nice for people to get to know who you are on the, you know, they're listening to you in their ears, just to have that connection with you. Would you mind walking us through your story? Absolutely. I'd love to. As you mentioned, I am a trauma and relationship psychotherapist and coach. And yet that isn't necessarily what I have been for the duration of my professional career. I had a 20-year corporate career and did both things for a long time and worked 80 to 100 hour weeks. So I had that life. But I want to just start with just an event, for lack of a better word, when I was in my mid-20s and One early morning at 5.30 a.m., I got on the scale and realized that I weighed what I did when I was nine. And I had been battling anorexia for years and years. It had gotten to its most severe place. And it was at that moment that I really felt God reach down and pick me up, you know, and give me the will to live again, because I didn't realize where I was driving myself you know, with my behavior, it isn't about vanity, it isn't about anything other than wanting to disappear. And of course, on the outside, I was not missing a day of work. I was juggling all the things and trying to be a high achiever. And yet, as I was untangling that journey with anorexia, what I found was it was the silence of the trauma that I'd been living under that led me to that place. And so with the skilled hands and heart of a beautiful therapist, she helped me navigate what I learned was my journey with trauma. Because oftentimes with trauma, we think, well, yeah, that happened, but it wasn't that big of a deal. In fact, no matter how severe it is, even if it's as horrific as going home every night and encountering violence, we normalize it. And I had normalized it. You know, and so we really unraveled all of those, what I call tentacles of trauma in my life, starting at the age of five, when I encountered abuse outside of my home. 
and extending through my adolescence and into a marriage that was very brief and probably shouldn't have happened in the first place. But I was 20 and he was a very nice guy, just wasn't the person I was supposed to be with. And so when I was in my early 20s, I got a divorce. This was prior to my battle with anorexia. And I didn't quite understand why all of these things were happening in my relationships, you know, and, and certainly I went through more relationship trauma, even as I was going through therapy, because my journey of healing wasn't done and went through some narcissistic abuse and trying to be the helper. And all of this, I want your listeners to know, was under the radar, because oftentimes when we're high achievers, when we're trying to be iconic There's a whole lot that we hold under the water, like trying to submerge a beach ball under the under Mm -hmm. the pool water, you know, and so I was I was keeping it all together. I was working a ton of hours. I was high achieving and nobody would have guessed because on the outside, things looked looked like they were going pretty well. But we really, really did deep, deep work. And I had always known that I wanted to have a big impact in the world. God gave me a vision when I was literally about five years old that I was going to impact thousands of women. It was just incredible because I just had this, you know, I just had a knowing, but I just kind of settled for what I needed to be doing at that time until I reached a point in my healing when I knew I was ready. You know, we don't, work from an open wound. We work from a wound that has scarred. And Mm -hmm. I call those beautiful scars because that's really how we can help other people. And so, you know, I know that every single trauma that I've been through or that I will go through will serve in my work because I'm now able to step into those deep, dark places with people without any fear, because I believe there's purpose and there's beauty in all of those when we really, really look for it and we walk through it and I tell them we're going to walk forward and we're going to get what the gift is in that. And, and for me, that's turning your trauma into your treasure. And it often emerges for people in relationships. So that's where my specialty really came into being. So that's a snapshot of, of my journey. Mm, thank you for sharing that. I didn't know your whole story. So I appreciate you sharing that because I know there are people, whether they resonate with anorexia or however it is manifesting in their life, I think all of us as women can resonate with that at a a certain level. And I wonder, you said something about the beach ball being shoved under the water. That's such a great analogy or visual for how it can feel sometimes when we're trying to march forward in our lives. But there are things, emotions, a past that keeps wanting to resurface. It was such a great visual for me. I don't think I'll ever forget that. Mm. One thing I recognize, though, as a woman, but also a woman who has a massive network of beautiful friends is we can, you said the word normalize, but we can almost diminish trauma too, can't we? Where we compare our traumas and think, well, it's not as bad as that. So I shouldn't feel the way I feel. Do you deal a lot with that? Do you feel that comes forward a lot? A hundred percent. That is such a brilliant point because I don't think I've talked with any of my clients who didn't start out saying, but it's not really as bad as this. You know, and there's always someone who seems to be suffering 
in a worse way or a more horrific way. Even for people who are enduring things that you and I might imagine are hard to to take in and not lose your mind on a daily basis. And yet for you, if that was enough to interrupt your emotional well-being, if that was enough to jolt you and make you feel violated and lose trust in the world around you. You know, that was one of the most brilliant definitions I've seen of trauma from Tana Amen. And, and that qualifies. And you have been through that experience because your journey through it is now, I believe, going to be used for other people. And so it's important. The very first step is honor your trauma, you know, honor what it is and, and for how it impacted your soul and your life. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't an area of comparison other than comparing ourselves to yesterday's version and trying to be better. But I can't think of a whole lot of other areas where comparison and competition of our level of hurt is helpful. Oh, this is beautiful. It's giving me God bumps and making me tear up because I think I even needed that permission. If I can be so real, you know, I know that we often push things aside and then shove it under the carpet. And it has been hard work for me to work through some of those things. I know the work it takes. And I would love at this point, the conversation to be an encourager for you, maybe to share with someone who's listening, who's on the edge of her seat right now, wanting to scream because she's ready to start moving forward. What would be one of the things maybe that she could identify that she's ready for this? And is there a time you're ready or is any time a perfect time? Maybe let's just start with that question. Is there a perfect time to get started or is it just do it? I think it when you feel the urge, that's the time. Okay. Because for a lot of years, you know, first of all, trauma cuts off the blood flow to the language center of the brain. Yeah. So that's why it's hard to use your voice. That's why it's hard to speak up about this. That's why it's hard to ask for help just on the very surface level, aside from the fact that it's hard to admit that we have weaknesses. It's hard to ask for help in any domain when we're used to running our own businesses or our own families. But I think whenever you feel that bubble up, you know, any skilled trauma therapist, and there are some skilled trauma coaches as well, but they really have to be vetted carefully. Any skilled trauma therapist is going to honor that and they're going to know how to help you and you're not going to have to, you know, spill it all at once. You know, it's just starting with that, even if it's a whisper, you know, that for your brain and your heart is a big deal because literally you're restoring a neural pathway in your brain and giving words to something that, you know, that's why I say I lived under, under silence for 25 years because I knew what had happened. I just didn't have the words for it. Yeah. And I would imagine someone right now is thinking, okay, okay, Amy, that's me. I feel like I'm hearing the whisper, yet I am so afraid of maybe what my spouse will think of me because I've never told him, or what will this do to my children, or what will people think that that shaming, that fear, that over, like it just embodies us to not want to show these parts. What would be your advice to her? Well, I think that's such a good question. I think much like the analogy of pushing the beach ball underneath the water, 
there are ways that people in our lives notice as as much as we think we're really good at hiding it. There are ways that even in in your marriage or in with your significant other or even with your children, you know, that parts of your trauma are still coming out, you know, whether it's in getting triggered, you know, if you have those arguments with your spouse, where you look at each other, like, what are we arguing with? And why do I feel this rage that makes no sense? Because it's just about this very trivial thing that happened in our day. That's often a trigger, you know, and we marry people who typically trigger us very deeply. And it becomes this maddening cycle, like, why can't we stop the conflicts? Why can't we stop the arguments? Why can't we be a safe space for each other? So that's one area that it probably could be showing up in your relationship and not not realizing it if you're having anxiety or nightmares. Mm-hmm. Many times people who've had tr- childhood trauma especially have nightmares on almost a nightly basis. I did for 20 some years. And it's the way your heart is trying to let you know. So I just want to encourage you. It's not that, oh, well, they can see things that I can't see myself and now I'm even more embarrassed. Not at all. It's just that there are ways that I I think many times people aren't as surprised and shocked yeah. and only safe people need to know this isn't something that you want to share on IG stories or, you know, your journey is your journey for a reason. And I think maintaining the sanctity of that is so important. There's a, there will be a time and a, and a place to share. Mm, I love that. And I took two things from that. One is protect who you share with. I think we're in a society where we think we need to share everything publicly. And I think this is a place where you can set really strong boundaries and really sort of set that bar, I guess we could say, before even approaching this of who will you let in? Is that something you recommend? Maybe even just making a list of here are the people I'm going to trust with this. And otherwise, this is going to stay in my very close proximity while I heal. Right. Because it can re-traumatize you. We don't know how people are going to handle it because, again, the people around us have their own trauma that they may or may not have dealt with. And so oftentimes people can re-injure us if they don't know how to handle that appropriately. Certainly, I don't want you to be dishonest with your spouse or your significant other, but I would really be careful and even talk through that with your therapist, if you're in a relationship with a therapist or with your significant other, if they're also your best friend, you know, someone who you know will be very gentle with your heart, who's not going to diminish or wound you in any way. You know, it's a, it's like going into a burn unit. And you just, you've got to be very, very selective. That's great. And I, in my personal experience, experienced that. I used to, well, I still am a verbal processor. I love verbally processing ideas and thoughts. It's just the way I get things out. And I remember thinking I was in a safe place to do that and felt very betrayed when the people around me didn't just sort of give me a soft landing. I didn't even expect somebody to agree with me, but just give me a soft landing. And it was not my experience. And so that really resonated to me when you just said that, because that was one of the biggest lessons I learned in my life is to be selective and it's not secretive. It's not faking anything. It's just selecting who you trust with some things that were hurtful and 
hard because I can use that word. It was hard for me to work through and not everybody deserves that, that story. No, not everybody can handle it. It's just recognizing just like you don't allow people into your bedroom, into the most intimate moments of your Mm -hmm. life. They don't necessarily need a window into the most intimate parts of your heart either. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, the analogies coming out of you today are just enlightening. I think of, I I don't think I'll ever forget, you know, pushing that beach ball down into the water. And now that realization of I'm not letting people into those intimate parts of my bedroom. Why would I let them into the intimate parts of who I am? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I do know as someone who's worked through it, when you cross that threshold of healing, you become very proud of the journey. Yes. That takes a while. Yes. So what would you say to encourage somebody maybe to reach out for help, whether it's with you or someone they're currently working with? How could they get that encouragement that they, when they cross that threshold, they'll be just so proud of working through that? Yes. I think it's something I say to everybody I work with, you know, that I see them victorious. You know, I see them on the other side of the abyss and I hold that belief and that faith for them until they can hold it for themselves, you know, and that we will heartily celebrate that moment. And that moment will be even more precious because they have allowed themselves to go through the journey. Because sometimes we get so excited, like, okay, I'm ready. I've done two months of therapy and, you know, I'm done. And it really is honoring that just like most things in life, you know, there is such value in the time we devote to it, you know, and we are not a society that does that very easily. And yet think about the things in our lives that take time necessarily, just like giving birth to a precious little life. You know, you wouldn't want to bring that baby out any time before he or she is ready to enter the world and because it would be dangerous. And the same is true, I think, for your victory and and your story, you know, but boy, when that little one arrives, everybody's celebrating, you know, and there's relief and there's exhaustion and all kinds of things. So yeah, I just sometimes that first step will seem like an enormous leap just know that after that point, you aren't going to have to do it alone. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, friends, I am so excited to provide this for free. You have no idea. This is worth millions. It's created millions of dollars now in revenue for people who have utilized my 14-day launch strategy. Whether you are about to launch a five-day challenge or a masterclass or your next program or a new business or a podcast for that matter, this launch strategy works like a charm. It has created six-figure months. It has built people from zero to six figures in less than six months and has worked across the board, whether it is a service program you're providing providing or a product business that you're putting out into the world. I'm telling you right now, it is so good and so easy to utilize. It tells you exactly what to do every day leading up to a launch for whatever initiative you're putting out there in the world. I think a lot of times on social media, we get really messy with how to market ourselves and create this sense of promotion and excitement around what we're offering. And I've taken all of that feeling away, given you ease, simplicity, and really effective strategy to get your next program, business, 
service, whatever it is out there into the world. And here's the fun thing. You can download this for free at jenspiegel.com. It's completely free. People always say, why do you give this for free? Well, it's because I love to give. And I have now added this nice little bonus offer. If you care to have me work through that launch strategy with you and really elevate it to the next level, you'll see it there. You can click on that link and get this beautiful one hour coaching with me where I walk you through step-by-step how to create the biggest, the most abundant launch you have ever had in your business. So go head over to jenspiegel.com. It is hanging out there for you. And I cannot wait to hear your success story. Please share with me and know that I am a cheerleader for you and this mission that you are on. I hope that encouraged you friends. And maybe this podcast is one that you need to share with somebody that you know is really needing to cross that threshold or at least start the journey for themselves because the relief, you said the word relief mm-hmm. and the freedom. I remember feeling like the shackles. I remember feeling like I was in water and I had these shackles with rocks on them and I was desperately trying to keep my head above water. I remember, oh, it makes me cry. I remember thinking that way and I remember the opposite <laughs> where I live today. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth the work. It's not fun, but it's worth the work. How does this manifest in an entrepreneur who is building a business? How, when we're not dealing with it, when we're pushing that beach ball down, how can this manifest in their business and show up? Right. I think that it's a really unique situation and one that's really been on my heart, especially over this last year where I've had the chance to connect with so many more female entrepreneurs and couples who are entrepreneurs as well. I think it comes up when our emotions feel unwieldy, you know, and we encounter overwhelm on a very frequent basis, you know, it comes up really easily. And we don't understand why, you know, if you feel scattered, you know, a lot of the symptoms of what we call trauma brain is similar to ADHD. And ADHD is something that's very prominent in the entrepreneurial community. I was late diagnosed with it at 46. And I'm atypical, You know, I wasn't, I never thought of myself as that, but it so explains so much of it. And there's a very close tie they've found between ADHD symptoms where your to-do list feels like it all has to get done at once, where you've got 15 thoughts crashing into each other in your brain. You know, those are symptoms of both ADHD and trauma brain. It can come up when it's a, a leadership issue, you know, with your staff where you have a difficult time leading from a healthy place, either you're, you're really driven, you know, and you're a little bit too hard on people, and then you regret it later, or you're not speaking up, and you're not having a strong leadership role, or if you keep hitting blocks, you know, and ceilings, that's usually indicative of something inside of you, because it's really about the journey of who we become, right, on the way to the top and the people that we can impact you know, and, and then examining who you're, who you're attracting into your life. When we start to change who we are internally and get to a healthier place, we're going to attract healthier people. And that doesn't mean that you're at fault for attracting certain people into your life, but it is a chance to use that as a teacher to say, what is this reflective of inside of me? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are these people drawn to inside of me? You know, and I I think it just when we have our own mission, when we feel like the one that has it has to hold it all in place, it is an especially triggering atmosphere for entrepreneurs. And especially if you're an entrepreneur married to an entrepreneur, 
that provides a whole different set of challenges that's layered on top of it. You know, if you have a lot of health challenges, one of the things that most women with trauma have are health challenges, chronic health issues, migraines, digestive issues, autoimmune issues, gynecological issues, all of those are really, really prevalent in women who've dealt with ongoing trauma. Mm -hmm. And it's the body. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score that is one of my favorites that really talks about how the body just absorbs it when we haven't had the opportunity to process the emotions or get the attention and love that we need. Mm. Wow. Entrepreneur friends, just rewind about two minutes there and listen to that again for cues and clues. I use this analogy a lot, but I really believe in it. It's like pulling the arrow back to fling it forward. And I think sometimes in our businesses, we're so focused in on success and growing this business that we fail to realize we may need to pull back a little bit to work through some things so we can up level and then fling that arrow forward. And the success is far greater than we even anticipated it's just we have these timelines that we are so committed to without really committing to the journey of becoming that person. I think about becoming Oprah Ready, which our mutual friend Tim mentions. You know, when you become Oprah Ready, if you want that level of success, we've got to be ready to handle that level of success. And so much of that is internal. I really believe it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think it often happens in ways that we aren't expecting. You know, it happens in the surrender and it happens just in the way that we really can lay down our walls and our swords and everything else. And I think we saw that in Oprah herself, you know, when she really went through that kind of transformation in her own heart. So I love that, Jen, that I, that analogy is going to stick with me. I love that. I feel really connected to you right now, heart connected, because the work you're doing is so important mm -hmm. and it is a scary piece for the person who needs to come forward to you and say, Amy, I think I need to work through some things. Yeah. I just, I want to encourage again, and we've mentioned this a few times, but I feel like that level of encouragement, if that's what people get out of this podcast episode is that gentle nudge out onto that skinny branch to deal with these things. We have done a good job today. And that feeling of the aftermath of the working through, do you ever fully heal from trauma? You know, I believe that it's what I've found. I used to think that, yes, you did. You know, you reached it. And after doing decades of therapy work myself, the deepest I thought, I had to come to terms with the fact that it's a lifelong healing process. Mm. When I started to have things come up and I'm looking around going, I'm a therapist now. I've dealt with this. Why is this coming up? Is it a weakness inside of me? And no, it's just that that part of my journey is ready to be dealt with now. And so that allows me to just love myself even more deeply, mm. you know, that it isn't that that person who hurt me gets to have even more of my life because we can go there really easily. Like I have given them so much money, time, whatever it is. But it really is about my ability to contribute based on what I need to heal within myself. Mm. You know, I certainly believe we reach a level where we're ready to share and we're ready to give more because a lot of people start the journey and about two weeks later, they're ready to go fight trauma. And I love that and I admire it. And it, it isn't time. I was like that. 
I'm, I stepped off the scale that morning and I was like, I'm going to go save the world, you know? And I was like, well, that, that had to wait about 10 or 15 years before I started to make an impact. And so, yeah, I just, I really think that, that if you can accept it as just a part of your growth process and a beautiful part of your growth process and one that will just deepen and refine you, just like the Japanese vase, you know, when the light shows through the cracks that have healed over, it's just going to add to what you're able to contribute. Oh, this is beautiful. I do have one last question. And I think for, for me, there's a couple things, maybe two questions. One is I keep seeing this roller coaster ride in entrepreneurship and relationship in life. This highs are really high and the lows are really low. And I know for myself, that's something I've really managed to kind of keep there. There's still those little nice little bumps of the highs and the lows, but they're not these mountains and big valleys like they used to be. Is that a sign of trauma? Yeah, that's, that's so so wisely put because it really, when we're numb, essentially, we need those extremes to sort of feel anything, if you will. Like if you've lost your taste, if it's something super, super salty, you're going to pick up on it. And the same is true. We get a rush out of those things and it reminds us of life when for a lot of the time we're just living in a numb state. And I was like that too. I was like, oh, you're just way, way up or you're way, way down. And it's about just riding it through, you know, and understanding that it's the, it's the long game rather than those bursts. Good. Good. So lastly, and it's a big one, (laughs) forgiveness feels like a big part of healing trauma, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of someone else. And what would you sort of summarize forgiveness, like what's that journey? Like what's the feeling like to work through and actually forgive somebody? Right. This is such a sensitive topic. First, I want to say forgiveness is not ever about saying what they did or what happened to you was okay. It is never a stamp of approval of what they did. It does not mean that what you felt wasn't valid and it, it doesn't relinquish them from punishment. What trauma does is relinquish you from feeling like you are the one who has to punish them. It relinquishes you from the hold of their behavior on you. And I think it's so easy and we kind of intermix the two terms, you know, well, I've got to forgive them. And by forgiving them, I have to say, you know, I understand you were dealing with X, Y, and Z. And so you really didn't mean it. No. What it means, and and I'm someone who, you know, God is my first priority in life. And so for me, in my faith, it means that I just say, God, you know how they need to be dealt with far better than I do. And so I'm not going to carry the albatross around anymore for what they, you know, securing their punishment for them. And it is a lifelong journey. You know, there are still times when I'm reminded of something that happened to me and, and the anger still comes up, that doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them. You know, it just means you get to say it again. You know, I forgive them. I forgive them. I think it is an important part in releasing the toxic hold that they have on your life. I really encourage people to do kind of a detox, even of your home environment, 
if there's even a piece of clothing that hints at shame or a bad memory or something that person did or maybe even gave you. And if they're not in your life anymore, it doesn't deserve energy in your space, you know, and and however you need to purge that. I think those physical reminders are very real as well as photos and things like that. That can be a part of the forgiveness journey. It's a complicated process. I I also use what's called an emotional debt exercise where we purge on paper everything that comes to mind, you know, that 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 person owes you for that, you know, that withdrawal that they made from the bank of your heart and we purge it on paper and at the end you destroy it however you want to destroy it. And it, people think, well, isn't that going to like stir the pot? And isn't that going to make me more angry? But I think when you do it with the intention of I release it every time I put it down on that paper, you know, when I did it after a particularly toxic relationship, it took me a couple months because I, I didn't want to stop till I really felt that that complete purge of things. And I realized at the end of my list that the person that I held in the greatest debt was myself because I hadn't stood up for myself. You know, I hadn't drawn lines. I hadn't been the woman I know I am. And I had no idea, you know, so it was about that journey of self-forgiveness. You know, when you've been abused, often we feel at fault because the perpetrator says either you want this or you did something to get it or you wore something to get this or you shouldn't have done X, Y, and Z. And there is no part of this that you invited, that you brought on. If you don't wear anything in front of a man who isn't a perpetrator, there's nothing inside of him that will make him perpetrate. That isn't an in, that isn't just an instinctual thing. A perpetrator is a perpetrator. And I just, I feel so strongly about that because there's such a mixed message. But I think it is about understanding that, their words are tainted. You know, they hold no truth, even though they've gripped so many people's hearts for so long. A healthy person is going to respond to you in a healthy way, no matter what you do or don't do. Thank you for that. And such a freedom to release when you said that, that release of wanting them to suffer or be punished because of what they did. I'm definitely guilty of that. Definitely guilty of, but they need to be held accountable, (laughs) you know? And I giggle because I was so stuck on that for so long that they had, you started the conversation with these tentacles, these tentacles around me, they had gone on with their lives. They were probably not even thinking about me, but for years, these tentacles were like, suffocating me because I was so determined that the truth should prevail and they should get what they had coming for them. When I learned to forgive and a lot of it was forgiving self, which was a huge shift for me because I thought I didn't do anything. You know, we have this, well, for me, it was very much this victim mentality. If I was victimized, I didn't do anything, but I did learn that I also taught people how to treat me. I also knew the first time it happened that I should have said something and I didn't. So it's not that I deserved it, but I also need to forgive myself for not standing up for myself in that moment. Yeah. It's, and it's freeing. It's very freeing. It's so freeing. And that's, I think why Maya Angelou's statement is so powerful when we know better, we do better, you know, and forgiving ourselves in that moment when we just didn't, we were doing the best we can with what we had at the time. That's so powerful, Jen. Yeah, I felt exactly the same way. And I keep having to do it over and over again. 
Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Amy. This has been an exceptional conversation and one that's necessary and also needs to be normalized. The more we talk about these things, the more comfortable we're all going to get about bringing these things to the surface and realizing we're not alone. There's no shame or embarrassment around it. And the faster we heal and run towards the healing, the more freeing the rest of our life gets to be. Where can people find you? Yeah, well, the best place is probably my website. That's where everything is, which is amyvanslambrook.com. If you want to message me quickly, I'm on Instagram. I can't answer too many clinical questions there just because of confidentiality, but everything is on my website. I have a wonderful group coaching program that's an intimate experience for women that's available, especially for women who are in the entrepreneurial space and dealing with trauma and want a safe space to do that in. But please just reach out to me. I'm here and and would just love to help you in whatever way I can to get started in your healing journey. Beautiful. I'll make sure that's all below the podcast here. So just check the show notes out, my friends. And so this juicy question, I can't wait to hear the answer to. (laughs) How is Amy going to be iconic today? Oh, my gosh. If I can be iconic by helping one person achieve a victory in their healing, that is iconic to me because that is how I will be able to impact the world and achieve the vision that God gave me so many years ago. You know, I think that that makes me feel like an iconic woman. Yeah, it does. And you are. Thank you for your time and space. Thank you for your honesty and vulnerability. And thank you for the impact you made today because I am sure of it. So thank you. I'm so honored. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together, they all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there and make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you and I just want you to make it a great day.